We've been hearing about an infrastructure bill, a package for, uh, well, years, actually. And finally, you know, this week, we got some specificity of the size and what's involved and maybe, you know, how what's going to get built. And everything, I, I look through this, and everything seems to involve, among other things, concrete. Ronnie Pruitt is president and CEO of ULIS-based U.S. Concrete which is in every major growth area in the country, DFW, San Francisco, New York City, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C. Roddy Pruitt joins us right now. It's good to have you with us. Thank you, David. This, I mean, it looks like you wrote this bill. <laughs> I mean, this, this, is, this is remarkable. I mean, transportation, bridges, roads, public transit, housing, replacing pipes, um, do you have the capacity to handle something like this? Well, as always, we uh, we we got our first look at the bill as well, and and, and, I, and I think as time will pass and, and, and the bill gets broken down, um, capacity to me would be more around labor. Um, I think labor is going to be critically important in, in a lot of the markets because these markets haven't seen this type of spend. Um, the the infrastructure in our country is is much overdue for a for a facelift. Um, and so I think there's, there, there's some challenges down the road with that labor piece of it. But as far as the raw materials and the capacity from a logistics standpoint, uh, I, I think we will be in a, in a great place to, to meet that future demand. You're right. There are two separate issues in labor. Of course, that's part of the idea is to convert some of the labor force and, you know, get people, you know, back to work and back to, to good paying jobs. But the other thing is we've, we've seen so much trouble with the supply chain you know, getting trucks and parts and materials. Uh, have you had any challenges in that area? We've had some challenges. Uh, I think most of the challenges that we've experienced are more around those smaller things that, that, that included um, water-based uh, type of transportation. You know, on the benefit side of, of, of our footprint, the majority of our aggregates and, and those things we either self-control or they are domestically produced. So we haven't had many troubles with our supply chain on the heavy side, which is our raw material basis. You know, we saw some disruption early on in, in with the ice storms in Texas and the power outages and things like that. But we've overcome that. And I, I do believe over time the, the logistics change will if we if we don't we don't stick ships in the middle of canals and things like that. <laughs> I, I think the, the the food chain will correct itself, and I think um, you know we're we're just talking about the markets came down so fast with the impact of COVID, and now as we start to open up, all those things adjust, and and whether that's shipping or rail or trucking, um, it takes time, and 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 so I I, I do want to I do want to be patient with my expectations because things don't happen overnight in these type of supply chains. No, I mean, something like this is a 10, maybe 15 year project anyway. Where do you, but I'm, you know, I think about your trucks. If I see a big pour, a big commercial pour, uh, you get up bright and early in the morning and, and your trucks just go forever, <laughs> one after another. Where do you, where do you get trucks? You don't walk into a dealership and just say, well, I'd like a couple of, you know, trucks for ready mix or something. That is correct. The, 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 the trucks are designed specifically for literally specifically for each market, depending on bridge laws and, and weight restrictions and, 
And so the DOT set those laws and restrictions. And so we design our trucks specifically for each market, which is really the uh, the weight of the truck and all the all the other spare parts that we carry on the trucks as far as the chutes and, and, and tanks and the size of the water tanks and admix tanks. So those things are designed specifically for each market. We do control all of our own trucks. They are company owned trucks. We do we we don't lease trucks. There are there are employees, there are drivers. And so it does give us a, a, a little more insight into our planning. We've invested a lot in technology with our WMC. So we have our own dispatching systems that, that schedules our drivers, that schedules our trucks. Uh, so those poor rates and what you're, what you're referring to are, 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 are a very planned process. Uh, and so we do try to do things early and, and often with, with, with traffic being an impact and trying not to sit in traffic since our concrete does have a shelf life. Uh, but it, there is a lot of things going on behind the scenes to to meet the demand of, of those type of projects. What about labor? Um, I mean, we've we've had a, a, a great expansion in building, especially residential right now. I guess commercial slowed down. But have you had trouble getting labor? And, and how skilled do they have to be? Can you take somebody, you know, who used to be a, a waiter and turn them into an employee of U.S. Concrete? We can. That's usually not our model. Uh, obviously, our trucks are commercial trucks, so they have to have a commercial driver's license, which takes time for someone who doesn't do that. Even once they have the commercial driver's license, our our training program is, is reflective of, of their experience. And so someone coming into our company with no experience, it's a, it's a long process because we take safety as, as a very critical piece of operating a a 75 to 80,000 pound uh, piece of equipment rolling down the road. Uh, most of our employees that uh, that operate our equipment have uh, either come up within the company and, and family members or have gained experience through other ways. We do we do have some employees that, that just choose to, to come over, whether they're school bus drivers or other type of transportation um, methods. Uh, as of now, we've we've seen um, a positive lift from, uh, if you could say anything positive from the from the pandemic. We, we did have a lot of drivers that uh, we were deemed essential, so we we were able to continue to employ a lot of drivers and actually had more drivers coming to us uh, because other businesses were not um, as essential as us. And so we are, we're in a good place. I think the. The labor that, that that you're referring to and that, that we continue to see challenges is the folks out there actually placing and finishing and doing the the two by fours and the roofing and all the things that residential growth has caused in a lot of markets, which is which is really good from a standpoint of of market growth for us. Uh, but it is testing the limits of 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 that hourly labor that's actually building homes and, and, and doing the things that come with that. I guess the, the ultimate question is how much business is there going to be? This infrastructure idea has been kicked around here for several years, and it's not law yet, so we'll see how it goes. But are, have you seen a pickup in, in – do you see requests for proposal? Are you getting, you know, new – are you seeing new business coming coming in? I would – I think it's too early to tell the impact of, of what this could be. I, I would define, you know, our regions as TxDOT has been very, very good and very good at planning and very good at continuing to spend money no matter what the federal plan was. But TxDOT's also been very creative. So we've created toll authorities. We've created 
public-private partnerships. We've created other ways of, of, of getting funding in Texas. 26 other states have created opportunities with their own gas taxes. And so a lot of these states were not sitting around waiting on the federal government because it's been talked about for so long, yeah. there was nothing they could plan. I do believe when you get to big markets like, but like New York and New Jersey, the waterways, those big tunnels and bridges, those are things that the federal government's going to have to take a stance on because at the, um, you know, in that level of, of whether it's tolls or whether it's the states trying to fund that, those are major, major spends. And I think that's where we'll see the biggest impact. We're also very involved with airports. And I know people don't look at airports as a, as a federal infrastructure, but it is. I mean, all the airports that we deal with on a, on a, you know, the major airports, those are all federally controlled. And so we have done a lot of work on airports, LaGuardia, uh, Newark, uh, JFK, all the airports in the, in, in the Northeast. We're, we're doing work at currently. So I think a lot of this will be um, long-term visibilities for, for local authorities, mainly DOTs, to plan. Um, and, and, and that is much needed uh, to meet the demand of, of, of continued population growth in all of our markets. The, um, you know, bridges are one of the things that, that keeps being mentioned, obviously roads and runways, but bridges, uh, evidently the state of bridges around this country is just absolutely terrible. Um, and that's going to be big business, I would think. Very large bridges, uh, that, that especially the types that we're talking about here, uh, around those major metropolitan areas are, are very what we refer to as concrete intensive, the intensity of those projects on a, on a dollar spin, there's a lot of concrete um, that, that, that that requires. There's also a lot of time it takes to build them. And, and so those aren't things that are, are gonna be uh, shovel ready, um, even though there's a lot of plans for them from an environmental approval standpoint, the environmental studies that go into the impacts of those bridges. Uh, I, you know, I don't want to confuse what shovel ready looks like. Shovel ready to me is a lot of maintenance. There's a lot of roads that need maintenance. There's a lot of roads that need updating in their current state. Those are more shovel ready. When we talk about building and replacing large bridges, uh, that's going to take some time. And I, 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 we're prepared for it. Uh, we're excited about the opportunity, but it's also going to take some time. You know, there's $20 billion in there. What they're saying is to redress neighborhoods that are split by highway projects. I know Atlanta is probably a pretty good example of that. But here, this I-345 that, that runs, that sort of splits downtown and, and Deep Ellum and, and, and East Dallas, there's been a lot of effort made on, on the part of some to bring that down and bury that. There are a lot of projects out there in other cities, though, that would benefit from this. That is correct. There's a, there's a lot of growth that has happened in a lot of cities that has, uh, I would say, meandered around current highway systems. Uh, and, and as you know, this planning process that these DOTs undertake are, are long-term future planning. Um, and it's just like, you know, we're, we're, we're in the middle of 635 on the east side of Dallas, where 635 on the on the west side was complete several years ago, and we have all the capacity with the toll roads and the express lanes, and now we're taking on 635 on the east. But you look at the, the growth on the east side between Forney and Wiley and, 
and, and going down into Bog Springs area and, and residential developments all over the Metroplex. I don't care which side you could, you could spin yourself around in a circle and no matter which way you started pointing, we're seeing residential growth in every side of the Metroplex. So a lot of these projects are, you know, four or five years behind by the time they start, which is going to be interesting because some of the roads we see opening up are already at capacity. I mean, the Dallas North Toll Road, uh, the George Bush Expressway, we've seen these projects open up and two years later, they're already adding lanes because of the growth in the Metroplex. It's a great problem. It's a great problem for our company. It's a great problem for the for the Texas economy, and it's a great problem for the TFW Metroplex. But there's been a lot of growth, and a lot of these roads have to catch up. And they've got to catch up right away. I Speaking as a consumer, I drove that stretch of east uh, eastbound LBJ from uh, – from Central the other day, and that's like, it's like a ride that normally you'd take at the state fair. <laughs> There's a lot of lane shifts, yes. There's a lot of lane shifts. <laughs> I don't know that I'm skilled enough driver to make it through that. Look, uh, we're going to continue to keep up with this this infrastructure bill, and then presumably we're going to get part of it, and uh, it'll be fun to see the, the business you get out of this, and then ultimately to enjoy the results of it. We wish you the best. Thank you, David. Thanks, Ronnie Pruitt, President and CEO of U.S. Concrete. Our guest today, for more of our conversation with Mr. Pruitt, go to krld.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.